Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. I just want to thank Caleb. Thank you. Thank you for the honor, and thank you, Caleb, for giving me this opportunity. Um, some of you know me. Some of you don't know me, but I always... I love humor. Who loves humor? Who needs some humor in this day and age? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, anyone trying to get in shape? I am. I'm trying to get in shape. So here's one for you. Uh, here's an exercise for people who are trying to get in shape. Uh, begin with a five-pound potato bag in each hand, right? Extend your arms out to your sides, hold them up, and hold them out for five minutes. After uh, a couple weeks, move to 10 pounds. Then try 50 pounds, yeah? Then try 100 pounds, 100 pound bags in each hand. Once you feel confident at that level, put potatoes in the bags. <laughs> okay, that was a free one, all right. Um, I'm excited about the message uh, today. I seriously believe this is such an important message for right now, where we at right now um, as believers. And uh, by the end of this gathering, you're going to leave here with an understanding of your rich inheritance, full of favor, reward, and promise, and a reminder of who you are. But I want to start with a little testimony um, about some, some of my inheritance. Um, I come from, my great-grandparents were 100% Jewish, and they lived in the region of Poland and Russia, um, during uh, the war, and um, the Nazis were moving in, and as you know, um, with the Holocaust, they, they were eliminating um, the Jewish people, and they, my great-grandparents were able to escape uh, that wrath, and they made it to Ellis Island, where they created a life for themselves. Um, and what I love about their story is the way that they lived their life. They really did not take their freedom for granted. Um, they paid a big price to get where they were and, and they really stewarded it. And honestly, it's so crazy for me to think that I actually would not be standing here if it not been for the grace of God rescuing them out of that situation and, and um, you know, them finding freedom over here in America. And so I'm super grateful for their journey. I didn't pay that price, right? They did. They paid the price. I will never probably know the sacrifices, what that felt like, what that experience was like for them because I didn't live it. And so I, I just, it, it's just amazing to me how I'm standing here just being able to carry on that legacy. And I can see the, just the rich inheritance in my family of uh, why I love freedom so much, right? I just am so passionate about freedom and justice, and it comes from that. And not only that, my great-grandfather was a writer, and I, I am also a writer, and I love to write, so maybe you can think about your own family, and you can kind of see the heritage that they left, the inheritance that was left for you. You know, and in the same way, you know, we can see in the Bible, in the scriptures, we read about the prodigal son, right? Um, he got an inheritance, but he, he actually squandered it. Um, he thought, now 
I am free to do whatever I want, right? We often think of inheritance that way, at least financial inheritance. Um, that happened to me. Um, my husband and I received a financial inheritance and we squandered it. Not in the same way, but we didn't steward it is the point. And I think that um, he missed what was right in front of him in his own house, right? And I've done that. Who's done that? You miss right, what's right in front of you in your own house. And, um, but one thing I have seen through the scriptures and just in life that favor follows wisdom. And many times in life, we don't follow wisdom. And especially, as we can see in this case, the prodigal son did not follow wisdom, right? Um, he followed just what he thought freedom to him looked like. Like his dad was holding, holding out on him and he was just going to do what he wants, does what he wants to do. And so we forget that freedom isn't free, right? We're free and responsible as believers. And so there's this whole thing the Lord has really been uh, just kind of reminding me of is our inheritance. And so I'm going to take you just through a journey of that, of our inheritance in Christ. And so I'm going to just start with a uh, Webster's Dictionary definition, and I'm just going to move into the scriptures. But inheritance is the practice of passing on private property, titles, entitlements, privilege, rights, and obligations. Okay, some of you might think, um, well, I, I don't really need a title. Well, you already have a title because the word says that you're kings and priests. That's a title, guys. Okay, so to say that we are anti-title, no, he calls you kings and priests. It's an internal title. It's internal. It's not necessarily external, but you are kings and priests on the earth. So it's important for you to receive that title because that is who you are. So titles are about identity, right? And so, yes, um, that is our inheritance in Christ, so let's look at some scriptures. I'm going to start in Colossians 3.23. All of these next verses I'm going to share are in the English Standard Version. Here's the first one. Whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Ephesians 1.18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Do you know the hope to which he has called you? You may not know. You may be sitting here and not know. That's okay. We're going to figure this out at the end. But there is a hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Colossians 1:12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. Did you hear that? He has qualified you. You don't qualify you. There's nothing you can do to qualify yourself. He has already qualified you. So if you're trying to get qualifications to get what we're supposed to have, it's going to be futile, guys. You already have it. Just say, I already have it. You already have it. You are already qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. Galatians 3.29, and if you are in Christ, are you in Christ? Then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You are heirs. You might ask, like I did after reading these, 
these are awesome scriptures, but I need practical. What does that actually mean? What is the actual inheritance? What is our inheritance? So we're going to look at the biblical definition of inheritance. It's a gift of God to his chosen people, a shared participation, meaning that all that Jesus has, we possess. So let me ask you, think for a minute. What does Jesus have? What does he have? That's what you have. You possess everything that Jesus has, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you're operating it or not, that's what you have. It is available to you. All that Jesus has, you have, is in you. That's a lot. That's enough to get excited about. If I told you right now that you have inherited a million dollars, would you be excited? I would be excited. How much more should we be excited that we possess everything that Jesus has? Come on. <laughs> yes. Titles. We've inherited titles, guys. We've inherited privileges. We've inherited rights and obligations. And one of the things he handed to us as an inheritance is the church. Have you ever thought about the church as your inheritance? Like, have you ever inherited uh, real estate or property, right? Um, but we have, we've inherited the church. You are a gift. You sitting in that seat right now, you are a gift. So just say to the person next to you, you're a gift. You're a gift. Each one of you is a carrier of the inheritance collectively as a body, right? So let's look at the founding fathers of the church to get a picture of how we came to be in this place that we're living in right now and what they handed down to us. It's important to look back in history, to look forward. That's what the word is for, is to align us, to empower us, to get us on the same kingdom page. So I'm going to just... Um, kind of set up the scripture that we're getting ready to go into, into Timothy. But Paul, um, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking about Paul. Paul, who is facing certain death, he knew he was dying. He writes to encourage Timothy to carry on the ministry and the protection of the gospel. Um, and this letter, in a sense, is Paul's last will and testament. And this is super important to mention because, in a way, this is my last will and testament and the reason I say that is because when I was asked to preach, I don't take this microphone lightly. And so if I'm going to speak on behalf of the Lord, I want my message to count. I want the message that God gives to count for your life to serve you. And when I asked the Lord, if this was my last breath, what would you want me to speak on? And this is what he asked me to speak on. Yeah. And so this... Um, this message from Paul was the protection of our inheritance, the gospel. And God, and Paul spends his last breath exhorting Timothy and passing on the mantle to carry it on. And he, in a sense, passed it on to me. And now I'm passing it on to you. Um, and so this is uh, what he tells Timothy. We are in Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5 in the Passion Translation. You need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. 
They will boast of great things as they strut around in the arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to um, hateful and malicious slander. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar? Slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of, the, of loving God. They may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Another version you may have heard is having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. He's saying these things to Timothy. It's important for you guys to hear this. He's saying these things to Timothy not to exploit or disempower those people he's describing, but to rightly lead the church into power. This is about alignment. This is about rightly leading the church into power. It's not about exploiting. So he goes on to tell Timothy, let's go into um, four, Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Timothy, in the presence of our great God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge the both living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you to proclaim the word of God and stand up, to stand up on it no matter what. Amen. What could be the no matter what in Timothy's life? What is the no matter what in our life? Rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Do you know how hard it is to preach when it's not convenient? It's hard. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. So be alert of these things and overcome every form of evil. Carry in your heart the passion of your calling as a church planter evangelist and fulfill your ministry calling. I want you to fulfill your ministry calling. And as Caleb said, it may not look like in the church. It doesn't mean we don't come to church. It means that you have a calling to fulfill. We need people to fill, fulfill the calling of media. Hello. We need people to fulfill the call of journalism. We need people to fulfill the call of all sorts of things. It's all kingdom. Because remember in the beginning it says, you know, when you work, work as for the Lord. So the founding fathers, such as Paul and Timothy, left us this inheritance. So what... What did they fight for? What, what was worth dying for? Let's look at Stephen and Acts. This is important in the time that we're in. Members of the synagogue plotted against Stephen by having men make accusations about him that weren't true. They were saying he was talking against Moses and God. They stirred up the people why? Because he was performing miracles and signs. Like, how dare you perform miracles and signs? 
How dare you display the power of God? Mm. They were offended. They were offended. They weren't the ones performing the miracles and signs. And when they tried to stand up against them, they could not come against the wisdom of God. Greater is you, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. Greater is he who is in you. This is a good example of that. Greater was God in Stephen than anyone that was around him. They could not come against it. And so because of that, they plotted. They went as far as to produce false witnesses. And this is what they said. This fellow never stops speaking against the holy place and against the law. We've heard him say that this is Jesus of of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Blatant lie. So they confront Stephen and they say, is this true? And Stephen gives a long speech and I'm not going to go over it, but it's Acts 6 or 7. You can go back and, and read it. But he gives an answer to their question. Um, and the, at the end, this is what he says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? This is a psalm he's quoting. Then he ended his speech with this. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. Wrong inheritance here, guys. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who um, predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. And this is what happened next. They got so angry, it describes them as gnashing their teeth. Have you ever been so angry you gnashed your teeth? I have. Uh, it's almost like on the point of rage. Stephen, however, was full of the Holy Spirit and was actually seeing heaven open up and Jesus at the right hand of God. And he said, look, and he said it loud, look. Like, could you imagine right now if you saw the heavens open up? <laughs> You'd be saying it loud too, right? Look, I see heaven open up and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. And this offended them so much that they covered their ears and started yelling at the top of their voices like toddlers. Uh, da, 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 I can't hear you. Wow. They were so offended and so angry in their hearts. They could not even hear. And they rushed towards them. They dragged them out of the city and they began to stone them. Meanwhile, there were witnesses around and these witnesses were laying coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul of Tarsus the same man I started the message with, who is exhorting Timothy, the Apostle Paul. That is the power of reconciliation. We are in the new covenant, the covenant of reconciliation, who can take someone like Saul and turn him into a Paul. Come on, that is the power of the gospel, guys. That's the power that's in each of you. And don't ever forget it. And so while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees. 
He cried out to the Lord. These were his last words. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That was the last thing he said. The last thing he said was a message of forgiveness. That is the power of the gospel, guys. Mm. These brave men and women fought for our freedom to know the gospel and to shape the church. So let's just make it super practical here. Signs to look for in the form of godliness, but denying its power. And I want you to hear this from me. These are not accusations. They are observations. And I have done everything on this list. Guilty. I have done everything on this list, and I have repented. And you can repent at any time. You can change your mind at any time. Um, But let's just go through this, what it looks like practically. Um, Minimizing the church to a weekend activity. There's no power in that. Mocking the church and slandering the church. Do you realize that when we slander an individual, we're slandering the bride? I've done that. Church has become irrelevant and no longer seeing the need to gather with the saints. That's very sad to me because when someone is missing from church, we are missing a piece of God's heart in the church. And I cannot represent God's heart as you. Only you can. I cannot do that for you. Only you can represent the peace of God that he placed in you to be in the body and represent him. And when you are not here, we are missing a piece of that. And I feel it. How has your past pain caused by people in the church determined your value of the church? I recognize I'm, I'm not unaware that most people have been hurt in the church. I'm very aware of that. I have too, but I've also decided to be a part of the solution and create value and a standard for myself as a leader to fight for healthy, to remain humble and to own my mistakes. And that's super important. And I want to apologize to anyone who's sitting in this room right now who, or watching online who has been hurt in the church. I don't want to minimize that. And I'm not saying you have to trust them. I'm saying that um, it would be um, unrealistic to think that we aren't going to get hurt. I think where the real value is that we're discovering as leaders is that when we choose to make a decision to be a safe person, like I say, I'm choosing to be a safe person, that means I own my mistakes. That means that I leave room for reconciliation. That means that I go above and beyond to pursue reconciliation. And so safe means when we get hurt, there's room to work it out, to deal with our hurts. And I understand that it takes two people to restore that relationship. And if that person decides for whatever reason they don't want to, you can still reconcile your heart to God. It's important to do that. It's important to do that because, guys... We're going to spend eternity with these people. We're going to spend eternity with people that have hurt us, you know? And so I got some work to do. I have some relationships to mend. We've decided as a society, we just don't need to go to church. And this happened long before COVID. COVID has just exposed it and given validation to it. 
if we know the power that we have in Christ, why is fear bigger than the voice of the church right now? It cannot be. We have created a vacuum and we have to take responsibility for that as believers in Christ, as the body of Christ, that society is filling that vacuum and we are seeing the results of that. So let's not get mad and focus on that. Like Caleb said, it's time to do some work. We need to own responsibility for that. If we have the power of Christ in us, the resurrection power of Christ in us, it even says in his word, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us power, love, and a sound mind. That should count for something. And when did something become greater than that? When did anything happening in society, when did we decide that had greater effect on society than Christ himself has on society? It's time to flip it. And I understand none of us may have done that on purpose, but God is specifically aligning the church right now. He's aligning you and I to take back ground, to advance the kingdom, to release heaven on earth. Bad things happen in church. There were churches bad. I've heard people say that. That's not true. The know-it-alls will always oppose corporate church. You know, God opposes the proud. And so if you're a know-it-all, you're not going to like it here <laughs> because God wants to align us. And in order for alignment to happen, there needs to be partnership. God's value is relationship. His methodology is partnership. He's looking for a DNA match. He's looking for ones who will represent the heart of God. We've treated church like it's a menu or picking out a restaurant or real estate. That's powerless, guys. Saying one thing with your lips, but living totally opposite way. Done that. Not recently, but I have done that. I'm just, I'm recognizing these things. The culture of society has been shaping the church instead of the church shaping society. Let's stop complaining about where it is, guys. We've got to take ownership where we have devalued. You know, we're living in this generation at this time because God appointed us to. But I want to, you to ask yourself a question. How are you going to leave the church for the next generation? Do we care? Do we care? Do I care about this ki the kids and TRB kids and what I'm going to hand down to them? We've got to learn. I have good news. I'm closing on good news. There is a way forward, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, that he finds in you, his holy ones. He calls you his holy ones. You're holy. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Whose faith? The faith of Jesus, not our faith. It's on the faith of Jesus and what he did. You don't have to muster up your own faith. It is the faith of Jesus that you experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power. Then when you do that, when you rely on his faith, 
Then you will, your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Come on. You didn't know you were in marketing, but you are his advertisement. <laughs> it's great kingdom marketing 101. <laughs> this mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead. Come on, resurrection power and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he's exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, realm of power in existence. He is the glorious enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. I'm going to say that again. He alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in this church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now, and now, whew, you doing okay? And now, we, his church, are his body on the earth that which fills him who is being filled by it. Whew. Would if we actually believed we had power. We love Marvel movies. What if we read the Bible and believed we had the power he said we have? We are going to do that today. It's time to slay. It's time for the church to own their assignment. It's time to shape society and culture. It's time to take our place in history. Guys, people need to know the power of Jesus out there. They need to know the power of his healing, the power of his reconciliation, the power to bring freedom, the power to bring peace. So go ahead and stand with me. You can close your eyes. You can put your hand on your heart. You can put your hand on your head. You can hold your hands out. But I want you to remind you, this isn't a silly little exercise. You are like your father in heaven and your words have power to create. And so you're going to be creating in this moment. And so uh, you're just going to repeat after me. We're going to we're going to. Just make these declarations over ourselves, just as Paul made these declarations in Ephesians. Um, we're going to just receive what he gave us. So let's go ahead and go. Let the light of God illuminate the eyes of my imagination. My imagination has eyes. They can see what God is doing. Flood me with the light until I experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. I will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of his power made available through the faith of Jesus. My life is an advertisement <laughs> of his immense power. Working through me, I acknowledge he, he alone is the source of everything needed in the church. Not the senior leader, not the prophet, not one person, but Jesus. Our leaders are gifts, not the source. I am a gift to the church. This is my inheritance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a clap. You may not feel that now, but I promise you it's going to manifest in your life.
Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.